This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you've looked at COVID transmission maps lately, you'll notice way fewer angry red hotspots. COVID transmission is down across the country, and that's good news. But as we've noted in recent weeks, flu season is getting underway. And when the weather cools, folks head indoors and distancing falls to the wayside. So can the low COVID rates hold for long? Also, in other good news, monkeypox is down in Chicago, but the CDC says that we haven't contained it well enough to completely eliminate it. So here with the latest details on all of that and much more is Dr. Mia Teramina, an infectious disease specialist with Dooley Health and Care. Welcome back, doctor. Hey, Sasha. So Chicago's public health director, Allison Arwady, she says she's worried about an early and serious flu season. Do you agree with that? Well, we already are seeing cases of influenza, and every time that we see cases in September and October, that is far earlier than a typical flu year. So, you know, usually we see flu cases uh, toward the end of the calendar year and into often January or February before they peak. So having cases this early on definitely should be a red flag for people to get out and get their COVID, or I'm sorry, their influenza vaccines Mm -hmm. as soon as possible. Yeah, and we're also seeing fewer people wearing masks at work and at school, Um, also even in in crowded places, like I'm thinking of buses and trains. And, And this has been going on for a while. But when you're out and about right now, is this something that concerns you, doctor? It is something that concerns me. And I hope two and a half years into this pandemic that folks that know they are at increased risk are both up to date on their vaccines and very carefully considering a well-fitting mask to protect themselves. It is clear that the majority of the population is not going to be masking to protect others at this point. Um, so the really the onus is on us as individuals to consider our own risks and to make sure that we have an N95 or KN95 well-fitting mask if we are vulnerable vulnerable and know that we're going to be in some of those enclosed spaces, indoor spaces, public transportation, all of the places where we are more likely to have higher risk exposures, especially as we move into the typical viral season months. Yeah. You know, every once in a while, I I see folks on Twitter talking about how you can get more free COVID tests shipped to you from from the federal government or from uh, the state government of Illinois. Is that still a thing? Is it still going on? Unfortunately, it isn't. Um, it okay. ended on September 2nd. So um, you can go to COVID uh, tests, or, or I'm sorry, covid.gov slash tests, and you can get information there about how you can buy tests and be reimbursed from your commercial insurance up to eight tests a month. But after three rounds of free COVID tests that were, um, you know, given over the course of the last many months, uh, unfortunately, September 2nd was the end point and the end of funding for continued free tests from the government. Mm -hmm. There's still also lists where you can find on that same website where multiple uh, places where you can still get a free COVID test, but ultimately they're going to be a little, a little more difficult to get our hands on. And remind us, do they expire? How long do they last for? Because I I remember in the recent weeks, I, I had to pull one out for my daughter who had gotten a cold. And of course, first, I, you know, you make sure that she doesn't have COVID and I remember hesitating, wondering, is this even going to be accurate? Because I feel like I've had them for months from like the first or second round of of tests that came from the president. 
Yeah, definitely look at the packaging and look for the expiration date and use the ones that have the expiration dates that were earlier first. Um, that date is not necessarily a line in the sand. Most tests uh, are accurate for a good 90 days past that date, but you can also go onto the website of the particular brand of the um, of the test that you are using. And there's also information still on uh, that covid.gov slash test website about your at-home tests and when expiration dates truly are and when they should be tossed. All right. So let's quickly review a, a few things that I know we've talked to you about on the program before, but they're very much worth repeating. Uh, there are two vaccines that people should get right now, a flu shot, as well as this updated COVID booster. Do you know, doctor, how effective the booster has been so far? Well, we don't know exactly that right out of the gate because we're still waiting for um, COVID cases to inevitably continue coming up. And people are just getting these COVID bivalent boosters. We've had about 7.5, 7.6 million Americans receive their doses so far. So we're going to have to look to those uh, early adopters and getting uh, the vaccine as to when and if they have breakthrough infections. So at this point, we have every uh, bit of lab evidence to show us that they should be highly protective against protecting against uh, severe COVID illness and hospitalizations and death. Um, but preventing COVID altogether, we'll have to see how well they hold up over the next couple of months. Last year, we didn't really see these COVID numbers coming up until closer to November uh, with a peak in January. So the next few weeks are really going to be telling. I see. Uh, it's, it's still early days, but do we know about the effectiveness of the new flu shot? It's looking to be pretty good. Again, very early on, but we're looking at sort of the match uh, with what's circulating in the Southern Hemisphere. And our flu vaccines this year appear to be a very good match with what is circulating in uh, countries that have had flu seasons start earlier than ours. Again, too soon to tell, but uh, as far as flu vaccines go, this looks to be a pretty decent match so far. When it comes to COVID, we know it can affect everyone of of any age, but elderly folks and our immunocompromised friends, they're more vulnerable. Now, when it comes to the flu, doctor, remind us who really needs to get that shot. Like who's most vulnerable typically? Well, it's the very young and the very old. And, okay. um, you know, we, most of us who are middle aged, we've, we've been exposed to flu vaccines and we've been explo uh, exposed to pandemic influenza and just regular seasonal influenza over the years of our lives, carrying a little bit of memory from that in our bodies. But these littlest kids, especially those under the age of three, not only have they, um, been only exposed to very, very mild flu seasons, they might not be up to date on their vaccines and they may never have had influenza before, and they could be very vulnerable to severe influenza because of the lack of exposure and lack of vaccines and lack of, uh, you know, pretty hefty flu seasons in their three years of life. Um, the vulnerable uh, over age 65 and those who are immunocompromised, yes, that always is someone that that is concerning, um, you know, if you've got other underlying health issues, especially underlying lung issues, mm -hmm. uh, those folks tend to have a, a rougher course. I personally haven't had an inpatient influenza case in the last couple of years, but this year I will. And that's just the inevitable. And I'm going to start to see a more typical flu season coming at us. So late last week, the, the CDC published a report saying monkeypox is here to stay, at least for a few years. Why is eradication elusive? 
You know, we've had more monkeypox cases in this particular surge than we have historically in, in many, many, many recent years. And because of that, there just simply are too many cases out there to completely be able to stop this thing dead in its tracks. The, the fortunate part is, is, you know, talking about things like COVID, we have this reproductive value, meaning everyone who's sick with COVID is likely to expose and infect potentially four, six, ten vulnerable individuals. The reproductive value for monkeypox is far lower. It's less than one, meaning that for every person that's infected with monkeypox, they might infect someone else, but they might not. So we're not looking at this, you know, astronomical doubling and, and quadrupling of case counts, but this slow drone, slow trickle of one infecting one infecting one is likely going to be what makes this a little more lasting and, and having it hang out a little bit longer. Researchers at Northwestern University announced that they've developed a possible PCR test for monkeypox. What effect would a test have on controlling the spread? So all of, uh, when we talk about testing at the PCR level or at the genetic level, we're usually talking about something that gives us results rather rapidly. We do have commercially available monkeypox testing right now, but to be able to get answers immediately, um, you know, point of care testing, as we say, getting an answer within 15 or 30 minutes, that's going to be able to have us have the opportunity to get to those individuals who were exposed to that person and may have had a higher risk exposure and to give them post-exposure prophylactic vaccine as soon as possible. Right now, if we have those high-risk exposures, we do want to give vaccine to somebody Mm -hmm. within the first four days, ideally. But oftentimes, if we're not getting tested until a day or two after symptoms start and not getting tests back for two or three days later, we're missing that best possible window for post-exposure prophylaxis. So anything that lends to a more rapid diagnosis is going to be able to give us the opportunity to try and stop the spread as much as we can. We'll leave it there for now. Dr. Mia Teramina is an infectious disease specialist at Dooley Health and Care. Dr. T, thank you as always. Thank you.